from the book of Psalms in chapter 145. Psalms chapter 145, we'll start there. And it's just a simple thought as we go through life, um, talking about prayer, a prayer promise. And uh, Psalms chapter 145, 145 is written by, the. it is a psalm of David, it's a psalm of praise, if you will. And uh, he says a lot in this text, if you, if you was to take time to read all of it. We are not going to take time to read all of it. I want to focus simply on one verse. Um, in Psalms chapter 145, but I'd like to read a couple verses surrounding that one verse that we'll take our thought from. So if you've got your Bible, 145, let's read in verse 17. The Bible says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all of his works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him. To all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love him. But all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak praise of the Lord. And let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. So as we look at this text tonight, David gives us a couple thoughts. But I just want to focus in on one. Uh, but as we make our way through our introduction, I'll give you a couple thoughts and then we'll make our way into the message tonight. Verse number 17, the Bible says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways. There's never been a time when God has done something that shouldn't have been done. There's never been a time when something has taken place that God said, Oops, I didn't mean to do it. You know, there are things that maybe we don't even understand sometimes. And we're like, well, did God really? But God did it on purpose. There are things that take place that, that happen and God allowed to happen. So he says all of his ways, he's righteous in all of his, not some of his ways, but all of his ways. And then he's holy in all of his works. Everything that he does is holy. Is holy. I want to focus in on verse number 18 and verse number 19. He says, number one, in verse 18 he says, The Lord is nigh. What does that mean? The Lord is nigh. The Lord is close. If you would, uh, the presence of God. Number one, just the presence of God. He said, the Lord is nigh. Who is, he Who is the presence of God nigh unto? Who is God close to? What does he say in this verse? Verse number 18. Those who unto all them that what? Call upon him. How do I get in the presence of God? What does he say in this verse? How can I get in the presence of God? I can get nigh unto him if I what? Call. You know, it's, it is simple. Just a simple thought. But when we 
I don't know about you, but I want the presence of God in my life. I want the presence of God on our church. I want the presence of God on my family. I want that. But David says, if I want the Lord nigh to me, what do I need to do? I need to call on him. You know, if you, if you have a family member, some of you have close members of your family that you are really close to more than others. Some may have to do with, uh, you may get along better, or you may have some of the same similarities, or you may have some of the same likes, so you're a little bit closer to one or the other. But a lot has to do with how much time you spend with that individual. You will get close to somebody that you spend time with. And if you don't spend time with them, you won't be very close. I remember when I was in Bible college, I worked a full-time job. Stacy worked a full-time job, and I went to school. And I worked from 2, 2 p.m. to 11 p.m., and I went to school from 7.30 a.m. to about 12, 12 a.m., 12 12 p.m. And that's when I got, when I got out of school. Stacy got off of work at 1 o'clock. She worked 6 to 1. And we met from 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock every day. That was our window of time. That we got to spend time together. But as, as I went, I went, I stayed three years in school. And then when I got out of school, I could tell that we were not as close as we used to be. Because we didn't spend time together. We would, I would work. She would work. I would school. And we'd have one hour. Because by the time I got home at 11 o'clock at night, at, well, by the time I got home, it would be 11.30 at night. She wasn't up. She didn't wait up for me because she had to be up at 6 o'clock in the morning to go to work. Or 5 o'clock in the morning to go to work by 6. And so we, we did. We were not as close as we used to because we didn't spend as much time together. You will notice, and you know this to be true, as, as spouse and husband and wife, the, the closer you are is the more time that you spend with each other. And you say, what do you mean? When I want to be close to God, what do I have to do? I have to spend time with him. I cannot expect to be in God's presence and to have the presence of God on my family, on my life, and all the things that I want him to be if I don't spend time with him. If I don't spend time with him. Look what he says. We go back to the story of Moses. Back to the story of Moses in Exodus chapter 33. Moses makes a statement. Then in verse number 13, Moses makes a statement in Exodus 33. He said, and, if, and he said, my, this is God talking to him, and they're talking back and forth. He said, I shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, Moses said to God, if presence go not with me, carry us not up thence. What does that mean? You know what he said? Moses said to God, he said, God, if your presence don't go with me, then I don't want to go. Then think about that. As a Christian, I don't want to go anywhere without God's presence on my life. Amen. Moses said, if God doesn't go, then I'm not going either. If God is not with me, then I don't want any part. And as I live my life for the Lord, if he is not with me, 
God's not with me. How scary is it that a lot of times we live our life outside of the presence of God. We don't live inside the presence of God. If you go backwards in time to the Old Testament, Jesus, or uh, who was it? Samson. Samson, the Bible says that Samson, uh, he went down to Timnath. He was with a woman he shouldn't have been with. He was doing things he should have never done. He was, uh, he was living a lifestyle in which he never should have lived. And, uh, he, and, and, the, and the talk was, what, where does your strength lie? And Samson said, well, if you break my hair or if you tie me up. And then the, and then the time came when, uh, when, she, when every time she'd mess with his hair or, mess, or tie him up, and he'd jump up, act like nothing was going on, and he'd go whoop all the Philistines. Well, one time he decided, the Bible says that he decided to tell her where her strength lies, was in his head. So she took razor and shaved his head. And the Bible says, when he got up, he wished not the Spirit of God was upon him. What does that mean? He didn't know that God wasn't with him. How scary is that? He didn't even know that God wasn't with him. And I fear that we live so disconnected from prayer that sometimes we don't even know that he's not with us. Well, we've got this, we've got a handle. And we don't go to God before. So, we see the presence of God. We see not only the presence of God, but we also see that there were men in the New Testament, Jesus' disciples. Not only do we see Moses making a big deal, he said, if your presence doesn't go with me, then I'm not going. Then you see in Matthew chapter number 28 and verse number 20, where a very familiar verse, Bible says, go ye therefore, or verse 19, go ye therefore and preach the gospel to Every creature, that's what the context says. I didn't quote that right. But in verse number 20, he said, And lo, I am with you, what? Always, even unto the end of the world. So his presence may it always go before me. And may there never be a time when I live my life where the presence of God isn't with me. As I said, how scary is it that we may live our life without the presence of God there? And he wished not. Samson, he didn't even know that God wasn't with him. The presence of God. The presence of God. The Lord is nigh. I ask you this question. I don't need, I don't necessarily need a response, but I ask you this question. Does God want to be close to us? Does God want to be nigh to us? Does God want to be our protector, our provider? Our, 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 he does. He does want to be close to us. He does want to draw nigh to us. He said, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. You are as close to God as you want to be. The Lord is nigh. 
unto all of them, unto all them that call on him. Number two, we see the presence of God. But number two, and lastly, is the prayer to God. Psalms 145 and verse number 18, what does it say? He said, the Lord is nigh unto all that call upon him. Not only do I need to pray to him, but I need to pray to him in truth. But if you know the scripture like I remember the scripture, what does the Bible say? That we are, how are we to worship God? In John chapter 4, he says that we need to worship God in spirit and in truth. You think that that, that is not a coincidence that the Bible tells us that the way we worship God is in spirit and in truth. And the way that we draw nigh to God is when we call on him in truth. You think that that is not a connection there? That God is telling us that when we call on him and we pray to him, we are worshiping God in truth. Now, what is truth? The truth is the word of God. The truth is trustworthiness. The truth is assurance. The truth is an establishment. The truth is faithful. The truth is right. The truth is sure. The truth is true. That is the truth. The truth is praying in the truth, praying according to the word of God and praying according to the will of God. That is prayer. And when I call on him, I want to be in God's presence for me to call on him and be nigh. I have to pray in truth. That truth is God's will. That truth is the word of God. That's the kind of prayer I want. When I pray, and I know that you are the same way, I don't want you know, the ceiling to come down. When you pray, do you just do it just to pray? Do you do it just to be talking? I don't do that. I want to be heard. When I pray to God, I want God to answer. I want to enter God's presence, but I must remember that for me to enter God's presence, I've got to do it in his word, in his way, in his will. What does it say in the New Testament? In James, he said, there's a certain way you need to pray. Not praying for your own lust, not praying for your own needs. I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I need this. God fulfill it. No, that's not God. He's not, a, he's not a genie. You know, you just rub the little bottle and whoo, there it is. No, there's a process when we go to God in the right spirit and truth. I don't think that that is a mistake. Actually, I know that it's not a mistake that God would put this in here. That worship is God. Worship God in truth and I, and I pray in truth. You think that's, that's not a mistake. And so true worship, and we've talked about this before, but true worship is not a lot of the things that takes place in a lot of churches today. True worship is in truth. And true prayer, where I get in God's presence, is in, is in truth. David says, if I, want it, if I want the Lord nigh, I want him nigh. I want to be able to, you know, 
You know, I don't know. If I need a prayer answered, there's there's someone I, I know I call. It's my grandma. And I know that she can pray and, and God will work. You say, well, that's a lot of faith in grandma. I know, but she can pray. I've seen God answer prayers like that for grandma. You say, what about you? Well, I'm working on that. <laughs> but we ought to be that one that we, we want people to call. I want to be the one where people call me and ask me to pray. But how do I do that? I've got to pray in that the will of God. I've got to pray in the way of God. I've got to pray in the word of God. And I've got to draw nigh to him so I can be in God's presence so that I can be the one that touches God's ear. The one that touches God. I don't know if you feel that way or not, but I want to be that type. I want, to, I want my prayer life not to just be some words or some list. Or, I want to really speak to God. Does that make sense? Am I just... But to do that, there's a, there's a right way and a wrong way. I don't think there's a wrong way to pray. As far as speaking to God. But there is a wrong way to pray in our way we do it. In how we do it. Our, our, our words. Our motives. Our, all of that goes into play when we come to talking to God. But I don't want to go. As Moses said. If God ain't going. I ain't going either. If God ain't going. I don't want to have any part of it. You know, hey, it, it, when it comes to my life, when it comes to raising my children, when it comes to this church, if God is not in it, I don't want to be any part of it. Because if the presence of God ain't going, I ain't going either. But look, he doesn't end with the presence of God. He continues to talk about prayer. Look at verse number 19. He says, he will fulfill the desire of them that do. That fear him. Who's him? Who's God? Who is that him? It's God. It's God in whom I need to fear. It's God in whom I need to call on. Not anybody else. The prayer is to the one and only God. Not only does he say in that verse that we need to call on him in truth. That he'll, he'll fulfill our desires if we fear him. And he will hear their cry. And we and will save them. Who's going to hear the cry of? Those that fear God. Those that pray to God in truth. Hmm? When I read this text, man, it was so convicting to Trenton because I need to make sure because I don't know that I always pray in truth and really pray Asking God to work. Asking God to have His will. Because what's what's more important? Right? I don't know if I'm the only one here tonight, but sometimes I feel like what I, you know, well, it's not working out the way that I want it to, so I think it needs to change one way or the other. But it's important, and we've talked about this, 
Prayer is so important as individuals and as a church. Because what's going to protect our church? What's going to, what's going to help us to, to reach? What's going to help us to grow? What's going to help us to do all of that? Before we need to do anything, what do we need to do? We need to pray. Before you get up in the morning, I would hope that you enter your day praying. You say, why? Because that is, a, hey, look, before I enter my day, I need to at least say hello. All right. Guide me in the right path. I need to enter my day that way. But why is it any different as a church? If we want to go out and we want to do something, should we not enter our week, enter our church service, enter our whatever we do in prayer? Before we do anything, what's the decision that needs to be made? Well, let's pray about it. What are we doing? What are we doing now? We're going to pray about it. Let's pray. Let's spend time together praying. Let's spend individual time praying. Anyways, just a simple thought tonight. Pray in truth. And I've never seen that before. I've read Psalms multiple times, but I've never seen that text where it says, hey, I need to pray truth. Do I? Always? That's the question. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. We've prayed multiple times tonight. We've prayed a couple times tonight, but Lord, I, I pray that your hand would be about what we do, where we go, what we say. And may the presence of God go before us. Each and every one of us tonight as we make our way home and go about our business this week, I pray that you will, that your hand and your presence will go before us. <coughs> Lord, I love you. I thank you for what you've done.